Welcome to series two of the Social Care Podcast, Sharing Stories, with me, Audrey Moore, and David Bagnell, aka Baggy. This podcast is for the benefit of anyone working in or studying social care. We like to chat with interesting people in the social care world and hear their stories. This week, myself and Baggy are talking about networking. So at the recent conference, we did a talk on Networking 101. Actually, it had a really, really long title. It was something along the lines of stepping outside the comfort zone, intra and intra organizational networking as a means to share learning in the profession. Now, that's that's a bit too long. So we just changed it to Networking 101. And Baggy, you had a really good story to tell. So do you want to go ahead and tell us that? Uh, yeah. Um... It's a story that I kind of use when I'm speaking with groups and um, it came to mind the previous year when we were at the Social Care Ireland conference and I was speaking to people who I had worked with over the years and had gone into doing research or were teaching themselves and they were speaking about how their job was going and I had a question was how they could... um, seems of so long since they were in the social care set and working on the floor, how they could send young social care workers out and they hadn't been in the system for so long themselves. Um, so for an example, we started discussing about GDPR and how they were teaching and the practicalities of it in the, the work setting. And the story that I used was we work one-to-one with clients And with all these new ideals that are coming out, like assisted decision-making and consent, person-centered planning, working with the international human rights ideals, the story was that we had a young girl and she's in her 20s and you're out shopping with her and she decides that she wants to go and buy a bar of fruit and nut chocolate. And you know that she's allergic to nuts. And as part of your day, you say, "Um, well, maybe... maybe you shouldn't get this because it's going to make you sick. And she says, well, I want to buy it anyway. So you can't stop her from doing that because that comes under the the ideas of restrictive practice. So you have to let her go along with what she wants to do. Then you may be trying to convince her not to do this, but she goes along with it. So you get to the shop and the person behind the counter is serving the young lady and she are she goes gets her bar of fruit and nut chocolate you can't ask the person behind the counter not to serve your client because uh, you would have to tell her why and so if you say well she can't eat nuts because she's allergic to them and she'll get sick that's gdpr you're breaking confidentiality that's one of the core rules of working within social care system um so even say you did that and the let the person behind the counter refused the server and she went to the self-service and bought it. And then she goes and eats it. So what do you do? So you have choice, you have consent, you have GDPR all within that one short space of time that you have to make a decision on the spot and decide what you want to do. And also that you could be looked at during inspection by HICWA over how you proceeded with that and the good or the bad way it turned out. Now, people always say to me, and and what is the right thing to do? 
and I don't have an answer to say what the right thing to do is, but my answer usually is if it was me and I would talk through with the client the pros and cons of eating the nut chocolate, that she may end up in hospital and she may end up very sick. It could be worse than that, but you don't know how bad her reaction is going to be. But as soon as I step outside the front door with that client, I always make sure she has her EpiPen with her. So if she does eat something accidentally or on purpose that I can do or that I can do, and she is aware of the consequences of what she does. But again, I go back to the reason why this story is interesting is because if we don't have discussions like this, um, networking in person with your co-workers or allied professionals and sharing stories of things that can or may happen or have happened, then the answers are lost. The problem solving is lost. And part of networking is learning from other people's experiences. So, yeah, that's one. And people tend to find it interesting. Um, I think it went down well at conference as well. What do you think? I think a lot of people associate the word networking or, or the action of networking with businesses and business people who are out there, you know, schmoozing their way. I don't know. Yeah. But but you know it, it sometimes has a negative connotation I think. But networking like just like that story you told allows us to learn from each other. None of us are going to be having the same experiences in work in the workplace. Um we all have different stories to tell. We all have different experiences and different types of clients. And like what you were saying there's so many regulations policies procedures guidelines out there and you know trying to to stay within the bounds of all those things um means that you know you're not going to know everything and quite often when it comes to decision making we are reliant on our experience we're reliant on you know how this has worked out before but if we have the benefit of learning how this particular situation worked with somebody else then it helps us to learn that much quicker and learn you know what's going to work what's not going to work you know how we're going to stay within the bounds of um you know legislation and policies and procedures etc etc but there's also there's loads of other benefits to networking as well and for example like you can grow as a professional so much quicker if you're out there talking to people about what they do, how they manage situations, how they deal on, you know, with different things on different on day to day basis. We know that in social care, no two days are different. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things I love about it. But it also means that every different scenario we come up against and every different scenario we hear about, we can learn from. It improves the outcomes for clients. Uh, it helps with collaboration and teamwork and, and it helps you get support and encouragement because quite often we, we might be out here working on our own or in a small team. You may not know that what you're doing is the right thing or you may have that kind of, you know, uh, doubts about your own ability and decision making. But if you have the ability to talk about these things with different people, then 
it's it's a really good way to learn and see well what are other people doing you know in the social care system through the colleges um, students are initiated into networking through placement so they they go out to a new environment a whole new staff team to work with and they are learning from the experiences as you say of seasoned social care workers people who have very different ideas to each other that all come together to work in collaboration to make a team work mm. for the benefit of all the clients and the organization they're working for but like myself and I, i've spoken about this before when you get into a job which is what we do it's a job and you want to do that job the best that you can and to the best of your ability sometimes you get bogged down in the day-to-day minutia of what your job entails which means that like i did for many years and the term you use which i stuck with is siloed you stay well well, it's not even getting bogged down but sometimes i i describe it as having the blinkers on and you're so focused on what you're doing and you're so focused on your own team and your own service users that you literally don't see anything else and well i forgot that there was a world outside where i work and hundreds and thousands of people doing the same job i'm doing and that i should be discussing and sharing stuff with them and i I was really glad that what happened at the conference two years ago actually happened because it's made me look at my job in in a whole new way and by you and i linking up to do this um podcast i've heard fabulous stories from people and made me reassess what i do why i do now these people aren't doing anything for me that you know directly i am not calling on them to say will you do this for me can i have a job can you get me money can you do mm. it what they're doing is they've reinvigorated me into how i feel about the job that i do and realizing that i can do a better job by learning from other people who are doing the same job as me in different areas and what it's done is that i've been able to pluck ideas that they have spoken about i say actually that's going to work for me and i'm going to try that yeah it's brilliant and i suppose let's just have a look for a minute as to why people don't network i mean there's a big thing about you have to step outside your comfort zone. It's very easy to go to a conference or training or even a course or whatever and just talk to the people you know or not talk to people at all. You know, why do you think that is? Is it that maybe people are uncomfortable, um, that they feel awkward just saying hello or getting to know people? Um, really, you know, it, it's very common in the business world for people to go to events and get to know each other and stay in contact and share business cards or whatever they do. But in in the social care field, I don't think there's as much as that, but I'd love to see more networking. Um, And I do remember being at the conference last year in 2022. And I remember sitting down with a, a group of people I didn't know and they didn't know each other either. And I, attempted to start a conversation and I just remembered it dying a death and everyone pulled out their phones yeah. <laughs> now while I don't take that personally I would have loved to know where do they work what did they do what brought them to the conference and stuff like that um but I felt awkward as well um 
but I, I've definitely stepped outside my comfort zone in the last year, I think, um, in situations like this. And I've really started to talk to people more um, and not just because of the podcast, but because I'm genuinely interested in what people do. Not that I think that they can do anything for me, but I, I, I'm interested in what they do. What what do you know? Like, you know, what kind of service users do you work with? I think when when events are on and there is the the chance to do some good linking with people networking, I think it's always a good idea to send two people together because at least you have one person there to balance off. You know, like like you say, if you walk into a room and you don't know anybody there, and um, at least there's two of you to to face on to meet a group of people. And mm-hmm. if you're speaking about something and you kind of have a lapse, the other person can say oh maybe i should step in there and continue on the story or like a lot the way you and i speak on this we get to a point and you say that's the end of the story and then maybe you step in and take it on to another level you know and, and sharing um shared experiences this podcast is sponsored by trust social care consultancy if you want to get in touch with audrey please go to www.trustconsultancy.ie now back to the podcast. So you and I both know the benefits of networking, Baggy. I mean, um, if the podcast, if the podcast, if nothing else, has been absolutely brilliant, and you know, meeting people yeah. through that and getting to know different services, like there's so many services. But what tips can we give people for networking? What 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 would you say helps you to step outside your comfort zone and chat to people? My comfort zone is speaking plainly. I went to college, the same as a lot of the people that we interact with, and I do the job that a lot of people we interact with. But when somebody says to me, why is that client behaving that way? I don't speak back to them in theories. You know, and I, I don't say, oh, Vygotsky would say this, or Bronfenbrenner would say that. I have all that stuff in my head, the same way as the people I'm speaking with. And I try and speak plainly and so that everybody who is in the room understands what I'm trying to say. I find that I go to a lot of events and people don't speak in that way and they speak very technical and it can be a bit intimidating, especially if it's a new subject that you're going to find information about. So straight away, you're ostracizing people. I know there has to be a level of the technical talk and whatever, but like if things are explained at the start, they're not always explained at the start. That if we're using these terms, this is what it means. And then go on and explain it. Um, acronyms are a pet hate of mine. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you just think that because you can reel off all the acronyms during a, a talk or a speech or a presentation that everybody in the room understands. it. I couldn't tell you how many events I've been to and people are talking acronyms. And I walk out after and still, I still don't know what they were talking about. Because yeah. that wasn't explained, you know. So yeah. sometimes, sometimes there has to be a certain amount of uh, simple everyday language rather than academic. Absolutely, and I, I think, I think just I suppose having that courage to walk up to someone or a small group of people and saying hello and introducing yourself, because once we get past that, you know, we can always, you know, ask questions and as social care workers, we already have amazing listening skills because we're using those skills every day. 
Um, we know how to read body language. We know how to ask the right questions, open questions as opposed to closed questions. Um, so it's just, I suppose, employing those skills, but in a slightly different way. Um, and you did a really good piece, but it's it's very visual. It won't work on here about how to read the room and how if people are standing together, if they'd be open to someone else joining them or not. And like that would be worth people looking up themselves to see. Yeah, yeah well, I suppose I, I could just talk about that for a minute. So if you walk into a room, let's say it's a conference or a training or something like that. Let's say people are standing around. There's a few there's a few simple things you could do that will, I suppose, help you with your networking in a situation like that. The first thing is to travel light. So we've all seen that person. I've been that person who, you know, has a coat over one arm, two bags over one shoulder, a cup of tea in one hand and maybe a plate with a scone on the other hand. And, you know, you're, as you're moving around the room, you're knocking into people and you're spilling your tea and you've no free hands to, you know, shake hands with people or whatever. So, yeah, travel light is the first thing. You know, put your bags in a corner and your coat in a corner. Um, the next thing is maybe look for some open groups. So, you know, maybe an individual or two or three people where there's an opening where you can kind of join the group and introduce yourself. And, um, yeah, that's basically it. And just introduce yourself and, you know, how was your journey here? Have a few questions ready. And and as well, you know, know before going in, what, what do I want to get out of this? Do I want to meet new people? Do I want to talk about my service do I want to you know what is it that I want to get and the last thing then I suppose is to follow up with people so if you meet somebody who really piques your interest and who you've really gotten on well with get their number don't be afraid to ask for their number or connect with them on social media and uh, LinkedIn in particular is really good for connecting with people um, and then follow up, maybe meet somebody for a cup of coffee, pick up the phone. It was nice to meet you that day. Can we talk more about your work or maybe we, you could end up collaborating on something? You know, a few little tips there. But I think that the biggest thing in the first place is being able to step outside your comfort zone and actually talk to people that you don't know. I think a, a very simple thing is to have a little notebook. I know we all have phones and stuff like that as well, but. The amount of people that you meet at an event and even if you don't get their surname or something that you just jot down their their actual name that they introduced themselves by. And as another part you spoke about how they wear, how people wear their names on their chest, which side oh, yeah. they wear them on. What was that again? Which side? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you might notice at events that when people have name badges, they tend to wear them on their left lapel or left hand side or sometimes it's on a lanyard around your neck. But that means if you're, say, shaking hands with someone with your right hand, you're kind of turning your name away from people. And then it's it's a stretch for somebody to kind of see your name. But if you wore it on your right hand side, it'd be much easier. And again, with the lanyards and the name is down low, like, again, put your name on your right hand side if you have one of those name badges. And it just makes it easier for people to see. It's just a very simple thing, but it makes it easier for people to see your name. Well, something I learned a long time ago when I was a chef, um, when you need to make yourself stand out, you have to do sometimes a bit of the peacock thing. So I never wore chef's whites. I always had yellow jackets or purple jackets. I had um, jackets with the crest of my football team on it. I had the haircut and the jewellery and all. I, I 
played up to the image that I do. So you were memorable. Is that what you're saying? That, that's exactly. You have to make. You still are, Becky. If you don't but mind it, me saying. Thanks very much. But and I lean into that. But it, it's also that's not what everybody can do, or it's not what everybody wants. But like when I when I speak to students, we're having on, um, placement from college. I always discuss the thing about having um, your work personality. The, your work personality and your home personality are not necessarily going to be the same. They may be totally different altogether. But I think it's the same that when you go to a conference or an event, and like you say, you need to know what you want to get from that, what you want to take away from it. So you need to go with a certain mindset that say, okay, like. For instance, we had a plan with the social care conference. We met Brian Penny. We wanted him to do an interview for us. We went and introduced ourselves, set up to have the the short interview later, and we're following up to do a long one. That was our plan of what we wanted to get from that yeah. event. And I think we succeeded in those three steps. Yeah, for, for yeah, as well as I don't want Brian to think we were stalking him now. No, no, I'm just using him as an example. What it, what I mean is the the people that we have, like yeah, but it, it was it was the same the night before the conference. I was down there chatting to people, talked to a load of different people. I identified a number of people that I would have liked to interview, um, yeah. and a lot of them. Then we ended up getting on, which was fantastic. Yeah. But what I say, we had a plan. We and it doesn't plan. matter what your event is or whether it's a conference or um, a training day or an information day, that if there's something particular you want to go and get, that you have an idea on how you're going. You might not always be successful, but you, you try and have something in your head for what you want to come back. So when you leave that, it was successful to whatever degree at the end of it comes out for you. But you have to make yourself memorable in some way. And whether it's the information you share, how friendly you are with people. Um, if you go along and you have, say like at the conference, everybody had their pens and whatever to take away from the ex the exhibitors stands. You know, you want people to take something away from you. And I can remember the people that I spoke to and how they made an impression on me. And yeah. I will go back and revisit because they were able to say something that piqued my imagination and it was something that really mattered to them. And I think that's the thing is that if you're going to speak to people, you have to talk about things that really matter to you. Yeah. So they know that you're genuinely interested in what they, yeah. what you're saying. But, but there's more to it, I think as well. Like if you're going to a conference like the Social Care Ireland conference and you're spending a lot of money on the ticket and the accommodation and whatever else you're, you're spending, you know, it is a good bit of an investment. And then you go and you meet exhibitors and you sit and hear keynote speakers and then you go and sit in sessions where you're hearing people deliver presentations or workshops or that sort of thing. That's all wonderful. That's great. But how much better would it be if then on those breaks, you're chatting with people, new people, 
and chatting about those workshops and those presentations and seeing what other people got out of those. So you're not just getting your own learning, you're also sharing those conversations, sharing that learning with other people and you're getting their perspective on it too. It's kind of like what the students and the mentors were doing. You know, they were able to go to workshops and presentations and then chat about it on the breaks and they learned from each other, which is really great. And I, I think, I think that's a way that you can use networking to boost your experience at an event like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, like meal times as well, when you take breaks for lunch and dinner and whatever, is a good time to look for a table with someone that you don't know and just strike up a conversation. I mean, and it's not easy for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, that, that is what I t- what I did actually on the first day um I ended up sitting with a load of people I didn't know they didn't know each other either but yeah we had a great conversation about what we had enjoyed that morning yeah it worked really well and then it, it gives you an insight then for future events and you just build it up like lego blocks bit by bit I mm. like this I didn't like this so next time I go I'll do this and I'll do this and then you work out the gaps that you have and you work out ways to fill them in are things that genuinely don't interest you as again it's like going on placements I say i i know what i would like to work in at any time but i also know the areas of social care that wouldn't be for me because mm-hmm. i've gone through placements and tried them and whatever but i think that's again i've gone to all these uh information events to keep us current and cpd and whatever you find things that you can focus on and that are work focused on for you your team your organization and bring it back to them and like do a few minutes feedback on how an event went and and then someone in your team will say actually i quite like the idea that i want to go and find some more about and then they go and find out about it themselves it's not necessarily that you're driving them to do it but because you come back with a bit of passion about something that you learned and that really made you feel good about what you were doing or piqued your interest that you're passing on that bit of interest to somebody else or all your team yeah absolutely but but just on the the networking as we were talking before it it seems a lot of people speak about networking as if it's um a new thing as i look at it when we go back to the old the shanaki or before books and printing and whatever people passed on things verbally they learned songs from each other they learned the stories and the history and kept all that stuff going and if that original style of networking didn't start we wouldn't be doing lots of stuff that we're doing now and stories and history and lots of important events would be lost you know so we're, we're really only uh updating a, an old style thing and giving it a fancy name and whereas sitting down like supervision sitting down having a cup of tea spinning through a story discussing how it affected you know it's good to come out with a positive outcome at the end of it so there's all variations of doing networking and you can name lots of different things as networking it's just what works for you okay i suppose to finish up maybe we just put it out there and ask people to try and do a little bit more networking going forward and um, maybe you could let us know give us some feedback and let us know how you're getting on either on the social media or on you can email us at the social care podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear your feedback we'd love to hear how you get on and yeah go ahead and step outside your comfort zone and meet a few new people you never know what could happen and if anybody wants to use us for networking by coming on and having a chat with us 
and getting your story out and maybe you're looking for volunteers or input into something that you're doing use us yeah absolutely we'd, we'd love to hear from people who'd love to be guests so that's it from for this week Join us next week as we chat with Bernie Breen about her training company and the importance of implementing training in the social care workplace. Cheers. Cheers.